Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at No Clutch Nate. And I'm Andy from Holy Batcast. So you can just follow my show by looking for Holy Batcast on all social media. Cool. All righty. Glad to have you on this week. Welcome, welcome. Thank you guys for the invite. Happy to be here. <laughs> all righty. And today on Man of Steel, we're talking about number 86. And the minute starts with Lois uh, shooting a Kryptonian. And then the minute ends with Kal-El punching a hole through the Black Zero. Um, I have a question about Lois Lane. Do you think this is the first time she's fired a gun, or do you think she's had a lot of experience? I'm sure she's had experience. Yeah, because she shoots this Kryptonian right in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Or it was beginner's luck. It could be. But does she have experience shooting alien weapons? Hmm. I mean, it looks the same. Is that, like, is there... Does this prove that, like, the universal uh, shape uh, the con- of, of a gun kind of is, is gl- planetary-wide, I guess? Uh, you know. Well, it has to look like a gun to us. <laughs> what if it was just, like, well, no, we've seen that before. I was going to say, what if it was just, like, a stick and shot rays? We've seen that before. That's a thing. All right. And what? Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, I feel like she's probably had experience shooting a gun only because... She, what is the quote she used earlier in the film where she was like, she doesn't feel comfortable unless she's wearing like a flak jacket or she's like in the action or yeah. something. So some, when I saw her just turn around and shoot the alien in the face, like it was kind of like, mm, I feel like she's she's probably done this before. Um, and then again, well, you think she would, she would have a gun in the next film, but I don't know in if that like, hostile situation. But do you think she was trained to shoot people in the face? I don't um, know if that's the, the the actual training for. I think if Side you're, um, I don't know. I don't really train with yeah. weapons. <laughs> um, but I would assume yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> uh, I I just think it's it's a cool sequence that we have here in this minute with um, more hand gestures. Yeah. Jedi Master Jor-El kind mm-hmm. of. But what I really like about it, not just like the pointing, like, hey, go this way, that way, <laughs> and directing, but I, I like that as soon as he pans like as soon as the shot leaves him he's already in the next shot and it's Mm -hmm. a really nice transition it almost seems um it it literally looks like a magic trick Mm -hmm. um so i thought it was really cool i just thought it was neat (laughs) it kind of tells her where to go you know it's like a little mini map Mm -hmm. but he's not mini person map I was glad I was glad this was the moment we were going to talk about because this is one of my favorite parts of the movie like the music is amazing that that Hans Zimmer music the propulsive exciting suspenseful music pushing the scene along and then as you pointed out the way Jarrell follows her along in the same shot it's it's so well done and then the badass hand motions of course which is now what I use anytime I come up to an automatic door I I do the Jarrell and uh, everybody's very impressed. I do the Jarrell. <laughs> do the Jarrell, everybody. <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, this week that we're going to be talking about is probably one of the more iconic scenes of the film itself, I, in my opinion. But we'll get there. It's a it's a good week. We it's a good on. week. <laughs> yeah, I, I will uh, also say I called out the Hans Zimmer music because I love the music in this scene. It's not on the soundtrack. This is like one of the few missing musical beats that it did not make it onto the uh official score so because i remember mm-hmm. coming home from the theater and uh 
trying to find it and it's just, it's not there. I think my, I think it's cause it's a minute. That's probably why. Um, it's just so short, but it's so cool. Yeah. We talked about it. Um, I think last week and it's very cyberpunk esque mm-hmm. music. Um, it almost feels like this had a little junky XL in it, mm, but yeah, good maybe point. that's why it wasn't in there because they both work for the same production studio. I think it's called dot com productions. Okay. And I know Junkie XL is a part of it, but this feels a little like Junkie XL was in it. But since it was, you know, his name wasn't anywhere on the film that they probably excluded the song, which is a shame because it's a really, um, I think the minute before this one, uh, it really gets your heart pumping. It's like, yeah, they're like, they're on an alien ship. She's got an alien gun. They're shooting Kryptonians that are not super powered. It just, it feels really cool, and uh, I always like seeing these Kryptonians that are not super powered with like guns and stuff. I think it's, I think we need more stuff like that, like maybe a comic series of just Kryptonians doing normal military stuff. I think it's real neat. Um, or or a sci-fi series. Yeah, Come, sci-fi co- series coming your way next <laughs> next year. Call Krypton. Uh, yeah. Maybe one written by David Goyer. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be neat. Um, we see a lot of Carvex in this scene, um, but we'll, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. So let's come back a little bit. So what happens is Jor-El navigates Lois Lane to um, an escape pod. And he says, you know, this is probably going to be the last time we see each other. Or I have a feeling this will be the last time we see each other. And I got to think that it kind of goes uh, under the radar a bit. But, like, you know, this is the first time Jor-El is engaging in a conversation with a human mm-hmm. and i felt like you know you know she's freaked out like we get her side of it like oh she's talking to an alien and also a computer ai system <laughs> so she's very kind of like out of her element but i kind of like yeah i wonder what like jor else they can like maybe i don't think or maybe he's had experience talking with other aliens before but like this is the first time he's talking to a human and he's just kind of nonchalant about it but you know it's still got to be like you're talking to people that you want your son to protect and care for and i feel like that kind of goes under the radar a bit yeah probably but then again it's not really Jarrell. just a shadow of him Hmm. so maybe he doesn't have these feelings or thoughts but then again i don't know it's just super smart alien computer he probably has feelings yeah Yeah, I I felt the same thing. I'm like, well, he's he is a he is a program, and even though he uh, he mirrors Jarrell, he might not have the same emotional response that Jarrell does. Because um, most of the conversations with this Jarrell AI, he's he's relatively stable. He's kind of always in the same spot, and maybe that's yeah. just the nature of the program. Yeah, so it doesn't seem like he's. Uh, I don't know. I like the way that you you brought that up and thinking about that. Um, but it seems more, and I think we get it in the next couple seconds later, um, that he still is in like a, like a teaching mode. He's still teacher Jor-El. He's not like father Jor-El. And I don't know if there, I mean, there, there, there has to be a distinction between that. I know fathers, you know, teach. Well, to coach is, is to, is a very fatherly thing. Yeah. You know, I think like naturally fathers want to be like coaches, where mothers want to be like nurturers and they care for you. Okay. It's like, in my opinion. So I feel like what he, 
like even though he's like kind of consulting Kalo on how to live his life or test his abilities, it's still very father. It's a fatherly thing to do, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I just don't know if I believe that computer Jor-El is caring about talking to Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. He just Sorry, pal. He's getting <laughs> escape pot already. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on. He's got to. He's got to save her life. He's got to make sure she knows all the right stuff to tell Kal-El later. Uh, it's, it's about the escape. That's coming first. For him to I be like, oh my God, so yeah. tell me about humans. Do you guys really love pizza? Um. <laughs> He's like, all right, Lois, take a left here. Come on, hurry up. Yeah, Let's yeah. move, let's move this along. Just shoot that guy and get it over with. <laughs> um He's when he's telling Lois Lane like, oh, this will be the last time we see each other. Like, make, you know, the uh, what did you say? The Phantom Zone is the way to defeat them, or something like that. Like, he kind of gives her mm-hmm. basically the solution to this film. Um, so it's kind of like context for us as the audience. Uh, this is the first time we see him uh, degenerate or like de like dematerialize. Uh, de- dematerialize. There we go. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, like so he's like move your head to the left. And it's kind of like a a joke, you know, for the audience or something, because Carvex comes swinging in, and like I don't know if he dematerializes or she breaks it. Uh, I don't even know if she sees him, and she's just headed for Lois Lane. Yeah, that that was kind of my question. If she was like breaking it, it, I would feel like she would have to throw two punches instead of just the one that goes through Jor-El. So mm-hmm. she has to have she has to see him. I no, feel she like, doesn't. You don't think you know he he can only make himself visible to one person. I don't know. What do you think? I didn't even think of that. I think, <laughs> I think you're right. I think that he she has to see him because every you know because Lois sees him, Clark sees him, later on Zod sees him. So it doesn't seem yeah. like yeah, it doesn't seem like only certain people can see him. It seems like he's visible. But yeah, it, it it's uh it's weird because it looks like she's aiming for for Lois, not. But may, hey, maybe she was maybe she was aiming for Jarrell's back of his head. Who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't even think of that. I'm gonna say she doesn't see him, That's and that he can pick and choose who stretch. wants to see him, which he has no problem talking to General Zod, which is why he shows himself. Um, but yeah, he he does dematerialize, and it's the first time you kind of see like what makes up this hologram. Because for the longest time, you're like. Well, everything is made out of liquid geo in this planet. So, like, like Helix and Keylor like have liquid geo in them, and they can manipulate it to make uh, people's faces in their uh, chassis. But here, this AI system is unlike any other technology. Yeah. Uh, the only thing close to it is the mind probe, which it, which also needs explanation. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, he kind of dematerializes. It's a very kind of uh, digital-looking thing that that like it's like squares of light that mm-hmm. that pass on um which we've never seen something like that before until this minute so i guess one it explains how his ai is working for to us for the first time um but yeah i didn't I just the second question was does he pick and choose who sees him so it's just a little interesting thing but it goes uh again unnoticed because it happens so quickly um, I think while he's dematerializing, you're too focused on Carvex coming in to swing at Lois Lane. Uh, it's almost like a jump scare, but at the same time, it's also like a joke. So it's a little, yeah, it's a little interesting. You. She like sm- she she hits the back of the pod and like it's like a blast or like an electric something. 
that like comes off and I didn't know if like that was because she hit it so hard and like there's like electricity and it broke inside the pod. I didn't think so. We see like yeah. the outside of the pod get messed up. She hit it like she was super powered, but yeah, she's not. and it, or like she had like powered gloves or something on. I don't know. <laughs> More things that need to be explained. Yeah. She um, maybe the hand was so dark that you couldn't really see it up against like that black, and it was just like okay, well we got to make it look like she hit something. She punched through like a panel, or did she just pull wires out and she just like? I don't think she did anything. I think it just like went. Boom, and then it broke everything. Electricity or <laughs> plasma or whatever you call it. This is uh, I, we get a lot of Carvex involving Lois Lane, um, and this is probably the last time they. Well, yeah, it is the last time they fight each other. Actually, well, Lois Lane's and well, uh, Lois Lane and Emil Hamilton are responsible for sending them all back to the Phantom Zone later on in the film. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but. So, like, I guess there's a bit of a rivalry between Carvex and Lois Lane because we see them uh, interact more often than not. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, Carvex is swinging at Lois Lane. Um, she tries to take the gun out of her hand, shoots the escape pod, and barely makes it out of there. Um, but now Lois Lane is hurtling through space in a, like, very tight escape pod that's on fire. It's crashing through that uh, stratosphere. It's a very terrifying situation, um, and we get some very close-up and uh, disturbing kind of close-up shots of, of her. Oh man, I, d- I never liked these when she's screaming and stuff. You didn't like it because like the way it is, or you don't like that situation. No, it's not about. I just I don't like. I just don't like Amy Adams screaming. <laughs> I think that's what it is, and like also it's like all right, so we're gonna put you up against this green screen. And you're gonna you're supposed to be spinning, so like scream and look around all distressed and move your head from side to side. I don't know. I don't like distressed Amy Adams, <laughs> but I like her. It's just when she like she looks. She, I mean, she's great in Donna Justice, especially in the beginning. She's amazing. When she gets pushed off the building, I don't mind her screaming there. I think it's just this. I think it's just her screaming in this space pod. That's it. That's all. That's uh, hey. <laughs> agree or disagree? Um, they probably just like put her in like an office chair and just spun her around <laughs> with like camera. <laughs> like that's just, pretty funny. Just scream! I uh, I think it's a ter- it's a terrifying situation uh, to be I mean, in no space. No doubt. And uh, I'm a fan of the ter- the, like the 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 fear of it. This like how scary that must be. Um, I'm just not a fan of the execution because it just it to me it's a little too close up. And the flames kind of look like they're surrounding the frame. I think that's why I, I, it I just feel like that's why looks I don't like, like it. It looks like they just kind of threw on like a fire filter. It just doesn't look right. Yeah. To a me, fire filter. Like it's just her like face a, and it's got her on the borders. Oh, that's funny. That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> like she's on a phone. That's good. <laughs> Snapchat filter. Yeah. Moving on from the... You know, so once, you know, Lois Lane is spinning out of control, but we get it, it cuts back to uh, Kal-El who's kind of still getting off the uh, surgical bed as the only way I know how to call it. Why'd you laugh? (laughs) I don't know. He's he's still getting off of it. It took him forever. He's still doing it. It just (laughs) seems like it's been a while. It it hasn't, if you watch the film in total, but like talking about it minute by minute, he's he's finally gotten off the the bed. (laughs) Uh, And Jor-El's standing right there. uh, Right behind him. Obviously. Yeah. And that calming look that he gets, like... 
Which who? Uh, Kal El. Yeah, as he realized, it's like you know, obviously when you see a body and you're in this uh, stressful situation, you're geared up to to throw more punches. Mm-hmm. And then he sees his Jorel. He's like, oh, a recognizable face. I can let my guard down. And it's just like he doesn't even say anything for the longest time because he's just like ex- like I don't know if he's expecting Jorel to say something or it's just like, well, I guess we messed up big on this one, guys. Like, what do I do now? Well, I mean, Jorel has to be like. This uh, so you've met General Zod, and he's just kind of like waiting for him to say <laughs> yeah. something. Like, so like, oh, so I see that you let's met have General this conversation because I know. Um, but then again, if Jorah's in the system, maybe he's hearing every conversation throughout the entire Black Zero. Probably, yeah, yeah, of course, because he asked him, "Is it true about what Zod said about the Codex?" He had to have been able to watch that dream sequence. Hmm. Um, I know this is something that we've wanted. Where you know, Kalos like. Is it true? Um, so I guess that kind of answers our question. Is like so General Zod kind of like lies to Kal-El saying, "Hey, this is what your father wanted you to do. He wanted you to restore Krypton again." Um, and I guess like, is it happening too soon, or is it just like you know, just kind of natural that Jorah would be right there? And he's like, "Is it true what you wanted me to do, like, or what General Zod said?" Um, and then General Zod, or Jor-El says, strike that panel as if it's going to solve something or maybe he doesn't care. I, I mean, don't know. I, if, it raises we'll, a lot of questions. We'll get back to that. But the whole strike that panel thing more recently after watching this movie, maybe in the past year or two has been one of my favorite parts of this movie. I don't know why. I just love like how quick it is. How Jor-El's just like, I heard your question, but check this out man and say hey bust that wall open and he just does it without even thinking he's just like oh okay bah and it's just like again novice superman the only person that he's you know the the only other father figure other than jonathan ken has been this hologram he's gonna do exactly what he says you know what i mean even if he has some reservation or hesitations now with like i'm not necessarily sure he has reservations now see that's where i feel like the whole zod lying doesn't stick because he doesn't, I mean, obviously he's asking him, like, is it true, as Zod said? But, like, he's not, like, classically, you know, angry. Like, why did yeah. you tell, like, who's lying here? Who? Why? Wh- tell me the truth that's, kind of thing. He's just why, like, hey, man, I need you to tell me that that was all a lie. That's why I was thinking, like, maybe it's too soon for him to already be questioning it. Because, like, he didn't give it time to be like, you know, maybe jor you know, does want me to restore Krypton and stuff. It just seems like that lie just came and went so fast. Oh, yeah. For sure, yeah. Well, I, I think it makes sense that this is when Clark would ask, since that information is is fresh to him, and now he's, you know, he's got doubts. He doesn't know what to believe. He doesn't know what's going on. So as soon as he sees Jarrell again, that's going to be his first question: is like, is this true? What's going on here? Um, and Jarrell is like, we don't really have time because your friend is hurtling towards Earth in a malfunctioning space pod. So hit that panel. Uh, so the, you know, the, the whole thing with uh, Lois and the pod, I mean, that becomes your ticking clock because you, yeah. you know, because you, you can't have time for Clark and Jarrell to have a, a long, prolonged conversation and clear everything up because at a certain point, Clark's got to make a decision for himself. Um, so, I mean, I think it makes logical sense is that he would ask the question, Jarrell would answer as quickly as he can, knowing that they don't have time for this because Lois's life is in danger. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, like, I I agree with it. I I understand that's there, um, but it's still. Oh, I just can't go back to like wanting. Yeah, the, the, wanting him to want to believe Zod and wanting him to 
to not just like so easily brush off that whole situation. But like, I do love the classic Superman saving Lois Lane uh, time bomb, if you will, like how you mentioned it. Like that's, of course, it's like a Superman movie. That's what you want. It's just like classic. I love it. It's great. And hey, you know what? Throw it in space. It'll make it cooler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. Well, well no, but I think cool. that he's already he's already past believing Zod because of Zod saying that they have to build Krypton on the bones of humans. I mean, at that point, their relationship is already over. So I don't think there's any part of Clark left who is is still open to trusting Zod once he learns that, and that's already happened. Mm-hmm. You don't think the uh, the the bigger shake for Cal would be to uh, believe, you know humans versus his own people like you don't think that he he's he's more siding with the humans like it's just not an argument at that point well he's he i think he is open to at this point he's open to allowing both to coexist but because zod made very clear that that was not the plan that there would be no there would be no more humans that's something that clark is already not open to um so i think Mm -hmm. yeah he he wants clarification from jarell but he's you know the beginning where where Kal-El and and Zod are a little more congenial and 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 Clark is just trying to figure out where this guy is coming from that's already passed like he he knows that uh Zod wants to build new krypton on the lives of everyone else yeah mhm i guess maybe we overlooked that a little bit like him already realizing that he wanted to coexist kryptonians and humans but then this other kryptonian doesn't want that so Right. I mean, and that's what that's what Jarrell even says. Jarrell's like, oh, you know, I I I saw you as the possible. Oh, I'm jumping ahead. Sorry, that's not in this minute. Um, <laughs> but Jarrell acknowledges the same thing. The problem is, is that that is not Zod's plan, and so which leads to Clark later in the film having to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And when you just rediscover something that you've never had, um, you really want to preserve it and like you want to have both like you want to have your cake and eat it too you know Mm -hmm. it's like um i don't know it's like (laughs) um to you know to put it into an analogy would be like you know if someone let's say you have an xbox one and then someone got you or a a ps4 and you're like now you can only have the ps4 you gotta get rid of the xbox like what i just i want both I can't have both. <laughs> you can't, Mark. You just can't have both. It's like you got to turn that one in now. It's like yeah. I should be able to. I don't know. I just feel like to discover your Kryptonian heritage, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, now it's only going to be Kryptonian heritage or culture. And it's like, what? I got to get rid of the human? It's, that's yeah. not. That's not right. It's, well, um, and that's. I mean, and that's the the theme and the the journey of the whole film is he has to decide where his home is and and where his loyalties lie because he's got two fathers he's got you know two people and he has to decide where he fits into the world and uh i mean that's you know that's what the whole movie's about it's very true mm-hmm. absolutely um which is it's nice to have that kind of struggle with with such a great character um but that's all i have for this one what about you guys uh yeah i, th- I think i'm good i just i just love that strike that panel i'm kind of bummed that it got broken up between two minutes today and tomorrow's minute really I yeah think it kind of ends on kind of a, a nice little cliffhanger i just i mean i like the after effect i'll get in there i'll get to it tomorrow <laughs> yeah i'm done i like adobe after effects yeah what he's saying I mean, yes <laughs> andy did you have anything else for this minute no i like i said i, I love this minute uh that the 
the Jarrell and Lois stuff uh, always gets my blood pumping. I just think it's a really awesome, badass sequence for for both of those characters. I think Russell Crowe, he just brings this amazing, calming presence to the to the scene and to the film um and i i I like seeing clark get up and and you know getting ready to you know just start the process of of taking on zod so yeah this is a this is a great minute i'm glad it's where i got to jump in yeah absolutely i think it's great that um we see kind of some action scenes that are not like super man super powered kind of fights Mm -hmm. um and the fact that we get a scene with lois lane and Mm jor-el like something that probably never happened before man of steel came out to have these two characters kind of work together Mm -hmm. yeah it's an interesting little relationship um the fact that someone was like you know what maybe lois lane and jor-el have to like fight through this kryptonian spaceship that like who's ever mentioned that before Mm -hmm. or like how's that concept ever been conceived like that's a really interesting thing and like without this film we've never we've never seen something like that so it's very groundbreaking and and i love that that's a scene that we got and that it worked so well and that people love that scene it's Mm -hmm. such an interesting thing um just you just got to experiment with superman uh mythology you know you know yeah i know do you know I, I know now. All right, let's wrap cool. this up. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. If you love what you hear, um, don't forget to check us out on iTunes. Leave us a good review. It really helps us out. And definitely check out everything that Andy's got going on over at Holy Batcast. And we will catch you guys tomorrow here on DC Cinematic Minute.